Welcome to part two, and we're back with Terence and Alexandra, and we're going to talk more about the impact of laws and governance when it relates to mental health issues in Guyana. Uh, so we're going to start off with a bit of, of some backstory about, about the historical issues relating to Guyana and mental health. We're a country that was birthed from slavery and indentureship, and we all know that the massive migration of people from one place to another forcibly did not have the best mental health effect on their descendants. When many of these persons came from India and Africa, they didn't automatically come as conservative straight people because both Africa and India have a history. Terence, over to you. I think we cannot have a good conversation or a complete conversation on mental health and mental illnesses in the Guyanese context or without actually discussing the historical context of mental health and mental illnesses in Guyana. Slavery and indentureship were not the best forms of any societal interventions that the descendants of Africans and Indians, particularly in the Guyanese context, had to deal with. Now, when we talk about mental illnesses and when we talk about mental health services in the Guyanese, mental health services in the Guyanese context started, say, late 1860s and 1870s. At that point in time, th their purpose of mental health services was not really to improve the mental health of the ex-slaves or the ex-persons, uh, the persons who were enslaved, sorry, and the indentured laborers at that time. It was basically to see how they can, one, gain more knowledge about how they can improve the lives and the mental well-being of the white men and women that were stationed in Guyana. So when we understand that the services that was available at that point in time was not was not beneficial to the um, ex-slaves and the uh, indentured persons, then we will be able to understand how things progressed. Now, at that point in time, in the UK and, well, Europe, they were starting to move towards a more humane form of mental health services. And one of the, the mental health practitioners that came to Guyana was trying to some degree to incorporate that. However, it was not fully actualized at that point in time. And what ended up happening is that asylums, like if you think of a typical... Uh, mental health movie or movies talking about persons with mental illnesses when you hear the word asylum exactly of what they will portray in a movie that's pretty much how things were for the um the, the guyanese at that point in time the electric chairs and the lobotomies <laughs> exactly they, they literally did that <laughs> they, they, they literally did that they were lit they literally treated them it wasn't more of prevention it wasn't more of curative it was just of okay they actually considered persons to be of unsound mind and they need to be um, detained as a result so it's basically thinking of a prison in modern day for persons who have mental illnesses. That's how it was. Now, in 1930, the UK, because that's who we were last colonized by, they um, incorporated the Mental um, Health Act. 
unfortunately in the Guyanese context in 2020 we are still using this 1930 act that the UK has since gone away from and have updated significantly there have been minor changes to that act in the Guyanese context, but nothing significant in terms of how mental health services are going to be governed or are going to be distributed. So a lot of the things of how persons, the terminologies, the references, uh, the services available on paper are exactly the same as they were in 1930. And that is alarming because in 2020, we should be as up to date as we possibly can to what's going on around the globe in terms of how we have services instead of using something that could call your family, call my family, someone of unsung mind and needed to be imprisoned as a result. There will. Exactly. Because exactly. one of the things that came out from slavery and indentureship was that persons were not entitled to legal rights to their personhood nothing they were stripped of almost all forms of their humanity they were expected to just produce and work and that's it that's their entire existence and in doing that we ended up erasing personalities and simple things that would make us more whole persons in society like a general Guyanese thing is that you don't expect a person to be whole you expect them to be some damaged version of what they've lived through and, and and the unfortunate thing is while we can so so I don't I don't want people to get the idea that persons cannot be detained in a mental health facility. So we can for persons who are a danger or what we call like we prefer to say risk. So a person who's at risk of harming themselves or risk to others, the law does stipulate that they can be detained even though they don't want to, but that has to still be done in a humane way the act of 1930 does not allow for detention in a humane way so if somebody was to do that it can flout what really needs to be happening at that point and i think that's one of the big issues that we still have when it comes to the laws and mental health services in guyana and i think alessandra could possibly go into a little more in terms of how that meet how that relates or uh talks about for the LGBTQ community. I'm, I'm just going to stick this in very quick before Alessandra comes on. With a country that has a suicide rate of four to four per every hundred thousand deaths, do you think they might want to update a 1930 law that governs mental, mental health in the country? Over to you, Alexander. Before I go into the law, though, Ramona, I want to talk about briefly colonialism itself is trauma. So as a post-colonial society, we're a violent and traumatic society, recognizing that both slavery and indentureship were traumatic experiences. There's actually a theory that suggests that trauma is reproduced through genealogies, through generation. So sometimes I wonder that the mental health conditions that we see existing in our society, even the violent forms of masculinity and, and, and the level of violence that we have in our society, if it's still an effect of the trauma that our generations would have experienced during colonialism, during slavery and indentureship. But there is a theory that do suggest that, um, that does suggest that trauma is reproduced. Going back to laws, in relation to laws and how it, 
it sustain exclusion and discrimination of LGBTQ Guyanese and how that discrimination and exclusion link to um, to mental health conditions. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we still have the Bogri laws on the book. We have um, some legislation that is not inclusive of LGBTQ persons. The Prevention of Discrimination Act um, does not cater for um, discrimination against LGBTQ person in the workplace. Um, even though we have some legislation that are in principle can be considered progressive, again, because of, of cultural attitudes towards LGBTQ person, you have challenges in those areas. For example, the Sexual Offenses Act. That's a gender neutral legislation and LGBTQ persons in theory should be protected under that act. We know the challenges um, in implementing the recommendations put forward in the Sexual Offenses Act. Um, however, there are studies conducted by Sassad and CARICO 2012 that looked at the social impact of laws on LGBTQ persons, and they found that the mere existence of these laws affect the mental and social well-being of LGBTQ persons. So while sometimes people may justify that we don't um, we don't enforce the Bogri law, the fact is the mere existence that those laws are on the book, they're used to justify the discrimination and, and the marginalization LGBTQ Guyanese face. And as I mentioned earlier also, a lot of the mental health conditions that the, that the community experience is linked to the social and cultural factors that, that promote this, this discrimination and marginalization of LGBTQ persons. And so I think, I honestly believe that we should get rid of those laws because those laws were implemented, the Bulgari law, cross-dressing law, they were implemented at a time when Guyana was still a colonial society and they were implemented to socially control the population, to control movement of people, to control behavior. We are an independent society, we are a secular society. And I, I honestly believe that governments should, should get rid of those laws. Um, activists, groups and organizations should lobby with parliamentarians and politicians um, and policymakers to get rid of those laws because they were implemented at the time when we were still a colonial society and we've come a far way and, and we've exposed to so many different cultures now. We are exposed to globalization, we are exposed to um, ExxonMobil. And, and all these factors change the cultural lands, landscape of Guyanese society. So we need laws that, that are inclusive of differences within our society. Ramona mentioned about Hadrian India. Before India um, was colonized by Britain, India had diverse sexual and gender experiences and Hydra are of political and religious importance within Hindu society. So this whole notion that homosexuality and being LGBTQ is Western importation is simply not true because they are pre-colonized societies, societies before colonialism that had diversity in gender and sexuality and people who, who transgress gender. And when you look at native societies in what is now um, present day America and societies in Africa and India, those people, they held esteem position within their society. They were seen as spiritual, 
as persons who bridge the gap between the physical and the spiritual world. In our contemporary world, they're not seen that way. They're discriminated, they're ostracized, they're marginalized, and all these things. Yeah, and one of the things a lot of the colonies, especially um, the colonies where indentured immigrants and slaves went to that they struggle with is trying to find the right balance for the people who the descendants who currently live in those countries because a lot of the governance and the way of life was made to mimic a colonial society where people of color were at the very bottom where all the social services were not afforded to them and the plantation owners and everyone else was at the top so for generations, we've had people being accustomed to not having access to these services, not having these conversations, not thinking that they're human enough to deserve uh, proper mental health care, to deserve not being in a totally depressed living socioeconomic status. So all it's not just a gang issue, but one you, you will find like any one of the colonies, they will have had to deal with it. And I think that, that goes back to how we're going to manage how governments are managing these countries so terence and alexandra do you guys want to pitch in on what you think we can be we can do as a society and i guess from a legal standpoint like the language of the law and the government to improve our mental health uh services here in guyana yeah um when we think when we think about mental health services and the law and the role the government must play because there definitely is a role that they must play this this can't be this can't be solved by you know just increasing or, or changing public perception it requires a parliamentary parliamentary sorry um solution and the first and most important thing that needs to be done is an update to reflect the current society of the Mental Health Act. Now, it has to be something that is inclusive and something that is sensitive to LGBTQ community, something that reflects what the current population and the current society um, requires. And that, that means that we need to step away from that outdated model, which means first, I think they need to do, I don't know, at least consultations with the general public about what aspects of it needs to be changed. But of course, the, 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 the setback with that is of course, because a lot of the population still inherently believe that for instance, there's still a lot of persons homophobic, still a lot of persons transphobic, still a lot of people don't think mental illnesses are real. So you do may create a conundrum by doing a referendum, which is generally the best way in democratic societies to change laws, where a good portion of the society may still not want to have this law updated to what it needs to be. But this can only, or the update that's required can only come about with, through sensitization of the public to what is needed and something that will reflect the will of the people as well as what will be in the best interest for Guyanese people. That is definitely one. And the second part comes back to what role the government is playing or will play in the public sector in terms of health services. Now, I think you mentioned about it before, Ramona, in terms of in terms of your family and accessing mental health services, 
particularly in the public sector. And uh, Alessandra also mentioned in terms for LGBTQ people that it is quite difficult to have services in every sphere. And that is what really needs to happen. As, she, as Alessandra also mentioned, she mentioned, we need to have mental health services in um, child health, in the um, primary care centers, this is the health centers, in the maternity um, department, in the uh, elderly department, in the care homes, in the PANS, in in all aspects of, of the society, we need to have mental health services because what has been happening in terms of health care is it's been disjointed and it's not been a holistic approach. So if we use the WHO definition, WHO's definition of what um, health is, we've only focused on the physical to some degree, but we have not focused on the mental health. So we cannot say that we are looking at a holistic approach until we incorporate mental health services into every level. And it requires a government um, approach because the laws needs to change and the policies that govern mental health services or health services in general also need to change. I, I personally think that to change the society, we have to start with the children, the next generation. And whilst we can try as much to fix our generation, we know that we have our limitations with our preconceived biases and uh, lived experiences that are basically going to make us a little bit more judgmental versus a fresh, clean slate. Uh, what are some of the ways you guys would suggest uh, to help children, the next generation, to cope with, let's face it, they're going to have violence pretty early in their lives. They're going to have substance abuse. They're going to notice all these um damaging behaviors from the older generations what are some ways we can help to uh prevent that from uh, spilling over into another generation yet again um if you want to minimize the negative impact how we view mental health and mental illnesses in Ghana, one of the first things that has to take place is of course realizing and acknowledging that mental illnesses are real and while I would agree that our generation and younger persons or, or, or younger generations are starting to come around and starting to acknowledge and accept these things, it, it, it is a conversation that still needs to be had with persons of the older generations that are still here. Because oftentimes they are still in charge or they still have a lot of influence on what we do and the younger generation do. So unless we're having open, honest conversations with our family members, creating that safe space, we're not going to be able to minimize the negative impact, the stigma that is that are associated with mental illnesses for the generation to come. And we would be doing them a disservice and in turn leading to a continuation of this cycle of poor mental health seeking behavior in the country. Over to you, Alessandra. I'm thinking in terms of addressing mental health um, or normalizing that is mental health conversations from an early age. And this doesn't only go for mental health conditions or issues within our society. I'm also thinking about domestic violence and and the issue of misogyny because we have a very misogynistic culture in Guyana. From a sociological standpoint, we need to address culture and that is 
patriarchal cultural ideas that subordinates women. We also need to address toxic masculinity and how toxic masculinity suppress men's behavior and how that is linked to mental health because a lot of men within our society, and Terence mentioned it earlier, do experience depression, but they just don't know how to express or communicate these emotions or feelings. So by addressing these, these cultural, these harmful cultural aspects of our society, the patriarchal culture that tends to subordinate women and, and this form of toxic masculinity that kills emotion, by just addressing those harmful cultural aspects of our society, we can actually address issues of mental health, issues of misogyny, and issues of domestic violence. And from a LGBTQ plus person standpoint, what are ways that we can start conversations with the younger generation to start conversations about being more accepting and having a culture that recognizes that LGBTQ plus uh, persons have been around much longer than we know and it's not something new, it's not a Western culture. Like how do we start those conversations with the young generations? I actually do believe it's already happening and this is because of social media and because more LGBTQ organizations are visible and are safe spaces for LGBTQ people to meet up and to socialize and to connect. Um, more LGBTQ persons are, are active and visible on social media and they're connected to diverse demographic of Guyanese, people who are non-LGBTQ, people who are um, from different religious backgrounds. So I think, um, I do believe that the cultural landscape and, and the perception that we have of LGBTQ persons are changing and it's because of um, our use of technology, because of social media, because of visibility, the visibility that we would have had um, over the past five years. Um, more people are aware of the existence of LGBTQ Guyanese. The McEwen case alone was a significant um, impact within the movement that that increased visibility of the existence of LGBTQ Guyanese. I do believe um, the cultural reception of LGBTQ Guyanese from the general population is also changing compared to 10, 15 years ago. Um, people um, are more receptive towards LGBTQ Guyanese. So it's, it's happening and the culture is changing, but I think we need to um, and this is really difficult. I think we need to incorporate these conversations at the education level within school. Um, I know GRPA and SASA have been trying for long to, to have um, comprehensive sex and sexuality education within school as part of the health and family life education. But again, because of our conservative um, culture, you always have backlash from the conservative religious communities who believe that we're going to promote buggery in school, we're going to promote sexual activities in school, when in fact what we're trying to do is to have age-appropriate, gender-sensitive, gender-inclusive, comprehensive sex and sexuality education, where students at different levels are exposed to age-appropriate materials that speaks to gender diversity, that speaks to sexuality, that speaks to consent, and all these things. I, I do believe that we need to have it there, but there has been serious challenges um, from the religious conservative bodies in that regard. Um, Ramona, I know you and Terence do have medical background and you know 
from a public health perspective, how important prevention is. Um, I think we also need to decentralize mental health services and as Terence mentioned, incorporate it into primary health care. Because we know um, this is not to reduce people to values, but from an economic standpoint, how important um, it is um, to prevent something rather than to treat something. And it costs less when you screen person for mental health conditions and you offer them or link them to primary um, care or to prevention services than when a mental health condition moves from the scale of mild to severe. It costs more money, um, it costs more if you have to institutionalize a person in severe cases such as psychosis. So I really do believe um, government need um, to play an active role in decentralizing mental health services and also incorporating incorporated, um, in primary health care. I'm going to ask you guys to give us your closing thoughts, uh, roughly a minute, and then we'll wrap up this segment. Uh, Alessandra, Terrence, whichever one of you want to start first. Okay. Um, what, what, what I'll say is, um, in closing, is improving the mental health and the welcome mental well-being of all Guyanese requires all Guyanese. So it's not just the government have to do X, Y, and Z, or it's not just we need to have conversations with our family. It is a, an approach that requires persons from all aspects, public society, public service, uh, the private sector, um, the NGOs, the government, as well as individual citizens. And of course, several things that we need to do to re reduce the stigma and those involve having these honest conversations with each other and of course, unlearning what we've learned for such a long time, relearning and coming up with better ways of how to deal with stress and how to access services that are available for us to deal with that. Definitely, we need more services because Guyana is very short on services to deal with mental health. And we wouldn't be able to really improve as a nation holistically until that is achieved. And even if we focus, and this is this is the main thing that I would like to, to see happening, the, the health ministry needs to move away from just dealing with the chronic diseases and just HIV and TB and just maternal and child health and incorporate mental health into all of these sectors. Because if we continue to um, shy away from dealing with mental health, the outcomes or the health outcomes for all persons of Guyanese in Guyana will be detrimental and we will feel the effects for generations to come. So, as I say, it really requires a one, one dotty to build this down. Thank you so much, Terence. Alessandra? There's so much that needs to be done. Like, I really don't know where, I mean, from a government, um, commitment level, I I do believe that government needs to recognize that health is a fundamental human right. 
and that mental health is a fundamental human right and they need to recognize how mental health conditions can affect their population how mental health conditions could affect um the economy can affect the labor force can affect so many other um conditions of Guyanese society because they're all interconnected when you look at mental health when you look at the issue of domestic violence when you look at the issue of homophobia and transphobia um they're all connected so government needs to recognize that health is a fundamental human right and they need to pump resources into an area that is suffering financial resources resources in terms of having more expertise in the field of mental health um profession um i think what we can do as small um organizations non-governmental organizations civil society group is that in the work that we do we must always recognize who is it that we are not meeting with our approaches i'm thinking of the approach that we are using presently we're doing a podcast and we're having this rich conversation about mental health and mental health conditions and the challenges that we have in this area within Guyanese society and how we can address these challenges what about people who do not have access to internet or who do not have access um to computer who who can stream this podcast and listen to the, this conversation that we are ha- having what about those people who are exposed um sorry excluded rather from the whole online activism and awareness that we're having on mental health um especially on social media what about people in rural communities people in indigenous communities how can we reach those people um with the work that we are doing notwithstanding that we're operating um in an arena that has limited financial resources that has limited um resources in terms of profession and so so i think we always need to be cognizant of who we're not meeting with our approaches and try to include those persons so that um the conversation can also reach them as well because i still believe that stigmatization is an important um aspect of the work that we do when it comes to mental health and mental health condition and in raising awareness similar to the issue of violence like a lot of people still do not understand violence and still have um misconceptualization of what violence is um in Guyanese society when you talk about violence um people think it's only physical assault um on the body and they don't recognize that that it's also emotional psychological um control and behavior similar to mental health conditions uh, we spoke about it earlier people only um believe that when we talk about mental health conditions or mental health issue it's about psychosis only and a lot of people do have uh, mental health conditions they may be in the mild stage on a spectrum and not recognizing it and not being linked to early prevention can actually exacerbate those experiences and result in those conditions moving from mild to more extreme cases so sensitization is important in getting people aware of what mental health is and what mental health conditions are Thank you so much Alexandra and that's so true like making sure that these conversations these resources get to the persons who actually need them will always be one of our biggest challenges and hopefully in the future it can be met and like Tara said hopefully this is one of those one of the dotty that Bill and Dada 
Hopefully this conversation does that. Thank you guys so much for being here today and talking with us. This has been so amazing to have this conversation and hopefully this can encourage persons to start having their own conversations as well. Hopefully we get to some people who can make some real changes in our mental health status here in Guyana. Thank you so much everyone for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we hope you'll join us for the next one. Goodbye for now and stay safe. Thank you so much. Take care everyone.